Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great awakening. Check, check. Welcome back to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Here I am, your host, Dave K. Talking shit, as always, waxing philosophical, ontological, psychological, what have you. Anyway, start a podcast. If you're interested in starting a podcast or if you're, uh, if you're inspired to start a podcast, start the fucking podcast. They're super fun. You, you push record in GarageBand or you know, some other program. Uh, that you have, I think there are, are much. Um, I think there are even simpler ones than GarageBand, and you just talk. Get an ATR twenty one hundred microphone off Amazon for I don't know, they're sixty, seventy, eighty bucks, something like that. Maybe at the absolute most, a hundred bucks. Plug it in and just start talking. I will be having guests here in not too long. I think just to mix it up again, selfishly, you have a guest on your podcast and then they pimp you on their podcast and then you go on their podcast and they pimp you and that's how you build your listeners. People being on other people's podcasts, OPP, other people's podcasts. I've talked about the New Media Summit before. Uh, That's the reason I got into podcasting. Uh, A man by the name of Steve Olsher uh, puts on this really cool event in San Diego at the New Media Summit and it's just all these podcasting people. And uh, there, it's just a really cool community, honestly. Like the podcasting community is really just a super cool community, and people show up to these event, the, to these events, like hoping to get on other people's podcasts, and they think that if they get on other people's podcasts, they're going to get their big break in the podcast world, and they'll be home free if they just get on these people's podcasts. But um, maybe it's that simple for some people. It hasn't been that simple for me. But I did get into podcasting as a result of the summit. I've been to two of them now. And they're just awesome events. I met a lot of cool people. Shout out to Robin O'Donovan. Thanks for your call the other night. That was uh, great to connect. Uh, I'm glad we're on the same page about things. And I got so much trash I, <laughs> I want to talk. Um you know, I have really mixed feelings about Black Lives Matter. I just do, um, especially when that cops, those cops got shot point blank range in Compton, and then the 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 they these people tried to block the um, they tried to block the entrance to the hospital, and you know it's been I, I don't think that was fake news, um, but uh, again I have slightly mixed feelings. Um, black lives do matter. It's not that I don't think black lives don't matter. Uh, it's not that at all. It just occurs as if there's something a little sinister lurking in the shadows of that movement and something that just kind of wants to kill and that's just my opinion and my experience um of it um and uh that's what i i experience i have an experience of something about it that is not all that pure is what i'm trying to say um that being said um you know friend of mine african-american from chicago community leader in Chicago, again, as I've said, Linnell Harris, he told me today, we were in a call, and he told me that, you know, the, there are experimental drug manufacturers targeting African Americans in, you know, impoverished neighborhoods and offering to pay them 800 bucks to be test subjects for new vaccines. So, you know, you could really argue that that is systemic racism, like preying on poor people and injecting them with who god knows what i mean that's just like some bill gates shit like go inject the africans with um inject the africans with 
the vaccine or the Indians, the, the people in the villages in India with the vaccine, and apparently, you know, a bunch of people ended up dead, children ended up dead, or uh, they ended up paralyzed, or, you know, who knows what, or maybe it's just a rumor that I read on a meme in Facebook, but... Um, I don't trust that motherfucker one bit. I just don't trust Bill Gates. He's just shady as fuck if you look at him. Um, You just got to kind of look into his eyes beyond the veil, beyond the sweater, and there is something shady going on. I watched the Bill Gates documentary not that long ago that was on Netflix. Interestingly enough, right before COVID, right? Right just before COVID springs, there's this documentary on how awesome Bill Gates is. And he is a fascinating human being. I will give him that. Um, he, the, the man manages every second of every minute of every day and he's just like always on time and he converted shit into water, you know, in this, in this episode. So it's like Bill, Bill Gates is the man converting shit into water. He's God. Right. And I got done watching it and I like posted on Facebook, like Bill Gates is the best guy ever. You know, this is probably like nine months ago. I was all stoked on Bill Gates trying to be like Bill after that. And then someone this, this girl who I know around town, this woman I know around, you know, who lives around here, was like, he's, he's evil. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I basically had like a Facebook falling out with this person for a while over Bill Gates. I thought he was awesome and she thought he's like a murderer. And I've kind of switched to her side. I just, I actually just, I just saw her. I just ran into her. Uh, Giovanna is her name. I just ran into her in Encinitas at a crystal shop. Crystal shop slash rock shop. And uh, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, you're right. You were right about Bill Gates. He's a sketchy motherfucker. Um, so anyway, I digress back to, yeah. So now there are basically drug manufacturers, um, you know, preying on people who lived in impoverished communities, throwing them 800 bucks in a hot meal and shooting them up with, you know, what could very well kill them or paralyze them or maim them from the inside out or who the hell knows. So, you know... Again, that matters. That matters to me very much. That just seems like it's part of some great big god-awful systemic evil conspiracy of sorts. So it's not like I'm not on board with with that. It's not like I'm not on board with, um, with thinking that sort of thing is just pure evil. You know what I mean? Capitalism in its most evil form. Um, right there, injecting people with uh, experimental drugs. So again, it's a very nuanced conversation. Um, I just get a little, uh, I just get a little unsettled with you know the whole BLM thing. That's just me, and I'm certainly not the other, the only one. Now, I'm not one of those like rednecks that's protesting against it and like for Trump, and uh, I'm not for Trump, but I'm definitely not for whatever the Democrats have going on which i don't even know what it is it just it almost seems like an intentionally uh just an an intentionally orchestrated shit show to get trump reelected is really kind of how it it seems and uh how can you not talk about politics all all i know is that when i don't talk about them on facebook and when i don't share my opinions like the one i just shared um i'm i'm a lot happier i'm just a lot happier so you know, good stuff. And um, what else is going on in the world? Who knows? Um, the coaching industry is really interesting. Um, I'm present to lately a lot of um, there's there's a predatory nature uh, to the coaching industry to the people who market to coaches and promising them that they will unlock the secrets to coaching success. And if you pay me. 
$25,000 over the course of the next year, I'll put you in a Facebook group and, um, and, and you can have, you know, one call a month with one of our experts or something. And we'll give you the secrets that you, you don't know to create a successful coaching business when, you know, the trick to success, uh, to creating a sex, a sex, a sexy, the trick to creating a sexy and successful coaching business is just send people messages who you'd like to connect with and who you'd maybe like to coach and see if they say yes. I would also recommend getting really good coach training. I still recommend accomplishment coaching. I recommend their coach training program above any else. Um, Even though it's a little wacky, I still recommend it. Uh, When you meet a coach who is accomplishment coaching trained, they are the best. They are cut above the rest. But I ran into this poor woman. I ran into this poor woman uh, like three or four days ago. Uh, who I sort of recognized from the coffee shop I hang out at, and uh, she kind of flagged me down, and and we had a we had a talk, and she was telling me about um, how in the last year she spent thirty thousand dollars as a quote investment in herself um, to unlock the to help her unlock the secrets the marketing secrets that she couldn't quite grasp to help her you know to build her own whatcha hoozy business right and. And it, she was just, and, and she was trying to figure out how to come up with the next fifteen thousand. And she was like, "I don't know. I'm going to get to fifteen thousand dollars, which is the exact reason I need to say yes." Which is just like, you know, some slimy coach's pitch um, that's totally manipulative in nature to get you to give them literally your life savings. And I've seen a lot of people literally fucking piss their life savings away to some program. And, and the programs are not effective in helping people deal with the fear. Really, it's like you want to ask someone to be a client, but you're afraid. That's all it is. Um, you don't need to put together a great big marketing strategy. You just need to find someone that you would like to reach out to, reach out to them, and uh, see if they say yes to a complimentary consultation and you know, or, or no. And if they say no, then you know. Uh, maybe they'll think you're uh, lame for asking them if they need coaching that does happen. Um, you kind of got to develop a thick skin and, and that's how, that's how you get somewhere. You just reach out to people in your immediate network. That's all you really need to do. It's kind of like with, um, if you sign up for, for an MLM, like a multi-level marketing, if you sign up to distribute doTERRA essential oils or, you know, whatever, they basically tell you how to become successful in the first, like in like the intro packet, call up your friends and family and ask them if they want some essential oils. Like, and nobody does it because they're afraid. Or they do it, but they do it in a really weird way, and it's kind of off-putting. So there's nothing worse than getting pitched by a person who sucks at MLM. <laughs> and, and you just want to tell them, like, just give it up. Just do, do, Selling essential oils is not for you. It's for someone else who isn't you. And some people are really great at it. You're just, you're just like, you know, you're just drinking the Deterra Kool-Aid from them. But many of them are not. And so, again, it can be very predatory and I've always prided myself as a coach in in coaching for the most part civilians you know what I mean I coach mostly civilians a couple of coaches here and there but mostly civilians on what's going on in civilian life so I'm not coaching coaches to become better coaches so that they can train more coaches and um, it's it's really frustrating and I I actually you know I wouldn't be surprised if um, there are legal consequences to some of these programs Uh, there are legal consequences for some of the people who are selling a lot of these programs because there's just a lot of snake oil out there. Uh, that being said, me and two colleagues are creating a program or a 
we're, we're creating a company called the Transformation Trio, and our motto is going to be "Give Dangerously," and we are uh, pr- we pride ourselves on um, in like intellectual property that we can create that we create ourselves um, that will change your life as a result of like having one of our models on your fridge or um, you know a Venn diagram that you can you know have in your car or whatever and the the intention is to give away as much of that stuff as possible and hey you know if you want to work with us you can certainly pay us money to work with us one-on-one or potentially in a group setting but um, what we really want to do is just deliver very high quality content that is life changing in and of itself. And um, I think that's what our industry needs more of. So keep your eye out for Transformation Trio. Me, Carlos Jones, and Lanelle Harris will be releasing information over the next, or releasing, releasing, what's the word I'm looking for? We will be launching here officially in the next uh, uh, three, four, five, six months, something like that. Transformation Trio. Keep your eyes open for that one. And, um, yeah, this COVID life is crazy. This COVID life is totally crazy. People are getting crazy. I released an episode, and then I took it down a couple weeks ago about how I wanted to kill myself and wanted to buy a gun and all this other shit. And, you know, only a few people got down. I got I got feedback from two people. It only had a few downloads. Hold on. Yeah, that episode had 14 downloads. So there's like a lost episode of the Magic Pisces podcast where I talk about buying a gun and wanting to kill myself. And I decided it was just maybe I'd gone just a little bit too far um, with that one because I released a crazy one a few episodes before that. But people are crazy right now. People are um, people are really suffering internally. I am I am worried about the winter coming, particularly for those in the Midwest when they're just cooped up inside and there's no place to go. And um, you know, here we are blessed; it never gets too cold. You can be outside every day and enjoying yourself. Be out, be outside, and be enjoying yourself, enjoying yourself every day. Um, but that's really not the case for everybody. And um, you know, a lot of people are going to be cooped up indoors, stuck inside their crazy ass heads, without programs, without therapy, without the help that they need, um, without even necessarily realizing that they need help. And everybody needs help. Every single person I've ever met uh, needs help, straight up. So, um, what are you doing? What are you doing to manage or and manage your own mental health or maintain a high level of mental health? Do you maintain high levels of mental health? I don't know. Um, the things I recommend are spiritual in nature, um, also physical in nature. So yoga is like physical, spiritual, and emotional. Uh, course, uh, the Course in Miracles, which I'm Course in Miracles, which I'm continually referencing, is very kind of intellectual in nature. It's all about changing uh, your thoughts around. Um, Twelve Steps is just straight up spiritual. Um, church can be very spiritual if it's the right church. Um, it's just whatever you need to put into your life to connect with something greater than yourself. If you're able to connect with something greater than yourself, um, your whole life, your whole life will get. It'll just get better. And if you just learn how to surrender to that omnipotent loving energy, which I refer to very simply as God, because it's one soul and most people have heard of it. If you learn how to surrender your soul to God, God will take your soul and he will make this fucking often God-awful human journey as bearable as possible. I've been reading this really cool book by this guy, Bob Monroe, Robert Monroe, called Journeys Out of the Body. It was written in the early 70s. And this dude just started like traveling out of his body. 
in the 70s, in the 70s, or late, I think maybe even the late 50s, but it was mostly in the 60s and 70s, um, late 60s and early 70s, he starts traveling out of his body and taking these little, like, cruises around um, what he refers to as, I think it's level two. It's, like, basically, like, kind of like heaven, but it just sounds to me like he's cruising around purgatory. And there's just this whole universe that exists outside of the physical, and when you die, you go there, but he figured out how to go there. It's a really fascinating book uh, called Journeys Out of the Body. Apparently, if you're, like, into astral projection and and astral travel it's like the the bible or the godfather or the you know the the one book that you must have but i've been really starting to kind of want to leave my body just just go okay this world's crazy so why don't you just close your eyes and chant hallelujah or whatever and leave your body that's kind of what he does he just sort of closes his eyes and leaves his body and goes on all these wacky adventures um it's uh it's it's really cool you know so it's really cool and fascinating, um, rather, to, to listen to. So this is just kind of a ranty episode. I didn't mean for it to be so ranty. Um, maybe it's because I haven't been ranting on Facebook that I want to rant on here more. But uh, all that being said, here's another rant. I'm a little disappointed in a lot of the punk rock people I know um, for just kind of like, it's almost like the, the people <laughs> the people who are saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, are like, rednecks and conservatives it's it's basically the rednecks and the conservatives who are like fuck you i won't do what you tell me you know don't tell me wear no goddamn fucking mask and it's like maybe conservative redneckism is the new punk rock because a lot of the punk rockers i know they're just laying down they're just they're just not questioning any of it like they're just like become sheep and again this doesn't mean that i don't care about lives at all it's just if you try to like Pat, pull any fucking bullshit over my eyes. I'm fucking all over it. Like, what? Mask? Huh. I'm going to immediately question it versus just, like, bend over for the mask. And so (laughs) it's really a little frustrating. And I get, like, human life is important and all of that. That's not what I'm I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, this... All of a sudden, there's this, like, culture of subservience. Like, you you must believe. And there's this whole thought police. It's kind of like the far right is kind of like, they're kind of like overt Nazis, right? They're just like, fuck you. You know what? Like, we hate Jews or whatever. And the far left is kind of like the thought police. They want to find out if you hate Jews. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna find out if you hold any sa- unsavory opinions about anything. And if they find that out, they're going to exploit you and you're going to be ruined. And it's just two, you know, two extremes expressing shady energy, in my opinion. I do have, God bless all of you on the far left who I'm friends with. It's just kind of what I notice. It's just kind of what I notice. It's, it's fucked up. I was, I was totally far left before it was cool to be far left. Um, I, I picked up a copy of The Nation at a coffee shop called Mocha Molly's in Steamboat, Colorado in 1998. I just moved to Steamboat, Colorado, and there's this magazine there, this periodical called The Nation. It's just The Nation, period. And uh, it was the, the cover of it was warning about the George W. Bush, a potential George W. Bush administration, an incoming George W. Bush administration, perhaps. He, had, he wasn't even officially the nominee yet. For, for Republican president, and Clinton was still president. This is, yeah, like I said, like November of 98. And I, I, I read that. I, I read the whole thing, like, cover to cover, and I was just like, fuck Bush! You know, I was just all over 
all over George Bush, like trying to warn my parents about him and get them to not vote for Bush. And every week the nation would come out and I started reading it religiously, 52 episodes, of, um, 52 issues a year. And I, I had a subscription to it for several years and I had boxes and boxes of back issues of the nation. And it was just one far leftist article slash one far leftist opinion slash one blah, blah, blah after another after another. And I ate it all up. Now, if I were to go back through those issues, I'm not honestly because the people writing a lot of the articles are not. I mean, they're all very, very smart. And it's obviously, um, you know, the art, the, the publication itself is very much far left agenda driven. Um, it would be interesting to read it with the eye I have for things now. Um, and I, I would like to go back. I don't know if I have them. They might be, in, they might be at my parents' house in Chicago. Um, it would be interesting to just go back and, and, and read through um, some of them. Because I would read them, basically I would read it cover to cover every single week that it came out. For years I did that. And there was a particular column called Diary of a Mad Law Professor uh, by this uh, black university professor, I believe from New York University and Patricia Williams. And she would just lay out the plight of the African-American in just the most beautifully disturbing language. Um, she just had this like beautiful, almost like prosaic style. Is that, you know, prosaic style? Um, the prose of the, the column was just, it was just so well written. And I remember reading an article uh, or a, a column that she wrote on lynching. And it just, it just dis, dis illustrated the, the disgusting nature of lynching. And, you know, some of the horrific things that were done to people, um, you know, before the civil rights era and as the civil rights era was, uh, the civil rights uh, movement was going on, um, things that were happening in the pre-civil rights era, era, and then, you know, as the civil rights um, movement was kind of um, moving along, like these horrific, you know, these, hor these just disgusting, essentially crimes against humanity were perpetrated against African Americans over and over and over and over and over again. And that's systemic as fuck. I will not argue about that. Um, a part of me has been getting a little uh, too, maybe, I don't want to say a little too conservative, but I'm really most concerned currently with the facts and the, pack, and the fact that people are not necessarily paying attention to them. Um, you know, so for instance, I, I researched and then I double researched. In 2019, there were somewhere anywhere between four like i think 13 13 and at the most 25 unarmed black men shot in the united states it's not 1500 you know someone told someone said it was 1500 uh, as far as unarmed black men go african-american men go there was somewhere between um uh, there was a conservative there was a conservative podcast host or radio host that said came out and said there were eight unarmed black men killed in 2019 and actually ben shapiro i heard on his podcast that it was nine and so I was, you know, I wasn't necessarily inclined to believe that. So I Googled it and there was, a, there was actually a USA Today article that said, whoa, 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 this conservative person is way off. There were actually as many, you know, there were actually 13 and there may have been as many as 25. And I was like, oh, oh, so it's not, you know, yeah, there's a few, but there's also, I believe, 42 million uh, African-Americans currently in the United States. And so if you look at, you know, 13, anywhere between 13 and 25, you're, you're looking at a very small number. And there's actually a, um, out of the, uh, a very small, 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 minuscule percentage of the entire population. And there was actually a link to the uh, Washington, a Washington Post article that had every, all 5,000 police killings 
um, police shootings that resulted in death between the years of 2015 and 2020, I believe. Maybe it was 2015 and 2019. I think it was 2015 and 2020. And I actually went, it had all of them, and I actually went through the first 100. And out of the first 100, um, there were, the majority of them were killed. The majority of the people who were killed by police had guns. Um, some of them were, uh, the weapon that they were considered uh, being in possession of was a car, so they were like going to run over people. Maybe they were just driving away. I'm not sure how it went, but it, the car was listed as a weapon. There were several uh, people with knives, and then there were a couple people with machetes. Um, there were two who were unarmed, and of the two that were unarmed, uh, one of them was actually fighting with a police officer so he was like fighting the cop physically fighting him and the cop was afraid for his life i assume and he shot him so that's one of the unarmed people and i can't remember what the other person uh was but he was doing something right so there were out of a hundred police shootings there were two that were unarmed that were killed and one was actively fighting the police officer now this is in the washington post which is very left-leaning um and so i was just kind of like hmm interesting and so um and, and that other guy, uh, what, what's, what's the guy I should, and now I'm going to be totally racist for not knowing the dude's name. Oh, Jacob Blake, right? Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times. Um, in the, it's true, he was shot in the back seven times. It's also true that he was totally running away from the cops, who I believe were trying to arrest him, and that he did have a knife in his car. And so who knows what's going on in the mind of that um, police officer. Um, and then you've got these cops just in Compton, basically, in Compton, basically just being assassinated. Um, straight up, just shot at point blank range, and then you know their trips to the hospital are being, um, you know, the the hospital should be a sanctuary. I heard, I heard, I believe it was a priest say in one of the uh, sort of news flashes I saw or news clips I saw. Um, but yeah, then they're trying to like block the entrance. They're trying to get into the hospital, and you know, I'm not down with that in any way, shape, or form. You know, I, I used to be all like, fuck cops and fucking, like, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years ago, would have been like, fuck those cops. I'm fucking so glad they're dead. You know, fucking A, I hope they die. Like, that totally would have been me. But, you know, I was also, I had the emotional maturity of, you know, maybe a 13, 14, 15-year-old when I was that, that period of my late 20s, right? And I'm just, I'm all juiced up on this far-left publication, The Nation, and I'm also reading the other another one called In These Times. And, you know, I'm just like, d despite the fact that um, this woman, Patricia Williams, would write amazing, uh, she had an amazing, um, an amazing, uh, what's, editorial column, um, you know, there was a lot of just victim, 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 victim. There was also a lot of like, communities are organizing, communities are organizing, communities are organizing. Um, you know, so it's not like it was, it was all bad stuff, but... Uh, now it just occurs as if it's a kind of like a great big fad. And again, um, that everybody's just kind of going along with. And it's like a, a, it just occurs as if there's been a, a bill of goods or a bag of goods or whatever sold and everybody's buying it. It's weird. It's just it's weird to see rednecks that I'm that I'm like conservatives and rednecks are like the ones who believe in free speech and freedom and fucking the government or fucking the man or whatever. Like all these other people are like... Yes, sir, I will put on the mask. And again, I'm not saying that COVID isn't deadly. It's not about that. It's about anti-authoritarian people I see bending over for authority. Um, I wear a mask inside always.
always, 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 it's common courtesy, even though I hate it. Um, and I'm not entire, you know, it, it doesn't exactly make me not feel safe from COVID. It's just kind of like the way it is now. I did see a meme or something posted today about people are coming up, the, people are coming down with these rare pneumonias from breathing in the particles that build up on masks. And someone was like, what about surgeons? And they were like, well, surgeon, you know, the response was, well, surgeon, you know, surgical rooms are sterile and clean and they only wear it once. And, you know, me, I just got the mask. I just have the mask hanging from the mirror. And it, I, I think I, I've had two masks total since COVID started. So I wouldn't categorize those masks as particularly clean. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like, fine, you make me wear a mask here, it's your stupid mask. You fucking happy now? So, I don't know. Really all over the place. This was in. This was just a series of tangents. This was a bit of a tangential episode. But as always, thanks for listening. Excuse me, I almost knocked some shit over. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.